ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp, has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, Terra Master, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. GPR Stabilizer, a leader in steering dampener technology, brings you the new Q5 Sport ATV dampener with better control and handling with an upgraded vane and seal system. Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talk Sandy. Ian Harris, how are you? Hi, Leonard. I'm very well, thank you. Hey, how are you this evening? I'm doing great. Hey, thanks for coming and sitting down with us at ATV Talk. Um, I know that SSI is a big player in the decal industry in our in our off-road enthusiast group, um, and I am dying to hear how that plays out and uh, how the business is going for you right now. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Um, we're definitely, uh, we produce a lot of decals for sure. And, and we, you know, you may not see as many, uh, on the West coast as, as back here on the East, but I'll tell you, we, as the years progress every year that goes on, I see more and more orders from customers on the West coast. Um, so the few people that we do sponsor, whether it's you know, work series, quad cross Northwest up in, up in Washington. Um, the words getting out there and, and, you know, it's, I know how it is. It doesn't, this stuff doesn't happen overnight. It's, it takes time to build businesses and, and, you know, our, our company's been established and so on, but getting your name out there is a whole nother ball game, you know? Right. How long have you been doing decals? Well, so it's uh, it's a crazy uh, crazy story. So our my main company we've been in business since 1947. So I'm a third generation uh, owner, and our parent company we are screen printers, decal screen printers, and. We basically, I took the, our parent company's name, which is Signcraft Screen Print Incorporated. And I guess I'm giving you some of the history now, but at any rate, so yeah. yeah. So uh, basically I just took that, that name and abbreviated it as SSI decals, more just as a marketing leg to make it catchy. Just knowing that 
I wasn't going to brand and market things for whatever industry, whether it's action sports, whatever, I wasn't going to brand it as Signcraft Screen Brand Incorporated. So dating back to like just 2008 is when I launched the SSI brand basically. And that was more just, um, you know, like a marketing leg that, that I wanted to be able to build, um, and, and grow that side of the business. So the SSI portion since 2008, our core, uh, you know, screen printing company since 1947. So we're pushing 75 years in 2022 here. And so, yeah, my grandfather started it. Uh, and then, you know, his, my mom, his children were involved and she since retired a couple of years ago. So it's, um, it's all my baby now, I guess. Right. So you went from silk screening decals, the old school way. Yeah. Yeah. To now, are you just all digital or are you still? Silk? No, no. We, that our core business is still silk screening decals. And so we've got, I've got 40,000 square feet under roof. And I actually just bought a new build, another building down the road. That's 75,000 that we're going to totally relocate in. And we have 16 screen printing lines. I run two shifts, have about a hundred and just shy of 140 employees. Um, and then we have a whole digital division as well that we run um, the SSI branding out of. So we're set up. And even back when, when I initially wanted to get this marketing leg going, my whole plan and idea was we can make graphic kits and one-off decals digitally, you know, for, for industry, you know, customers and so on. But in hoping that also it, to, with different industry companies to be able to form and build that relationship to be able to get their business of printing decals, knowing that we can do it all under one roof. I can print you 10,000 decals, but I can also make you one-off product as well. And it's paid off in a lot with a lot of different companies across, you know, the country that we've been able to do that with. That's awesome. That's so cool. And, and yeah, it's unique, you know, you do, ATV graphics one-off for lots of people? Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, we've got a website set up to be able to, to do that so the customer can go on ATVs, dirt bikes, snowmobiles, UTVs. They can go on, select a design or upload a picture for a fully custom design, you know, add colors. That we've, got a, we've got models on there. They can visualize colors and how it's going to lay out and so on. And we're working on, on upgrading that. We're going to be able to add numbers for number plates and certain logo locations and so on. It's just a lot of backend work on the website stuff. Right. Right. Um, but the biggest request I, I would get over the years is I want to, I mean, regardless, we send a proof to the customer, but they want to be able to visually see it on the computer as they're laying out the colors. Right. You know, which I get it. I mean, some people can't envision things and, you know, regardless, we're going to send a proof, but to see it on the computer, right. When you're ordering it, it always helps. 
but it, yeah, that adds a lot of uh, investment time cost for your company. Yes, it's huge. Does it does it pay off? We just literally launched it in January of this year. That that website, that port, you know, that style of website. We always had the old school. You can order without seeing it and all that. And I'll tell you this. I don't know if it was just the whole, the way the, the COVID thing had people staying home and order and stuff, but from January until May of this year, we were backlogged sometimes, boy, pushing 30 days on custom kits for the, for, you know, just the general consumer that's ordering. What's your normal term? When it's not busy, normally 10 to 15 working days. That's not custom. Not that bad. No, I mean, I'd like to get it better. I mean, I've got, I've got almost, I got six full-time designers that just work on this, you know, action sports graphics from dirt bikes, quads, UTVs. And then we work the, the production flow right into our full manufacturing facility, but just from design aspects, I've got six guys that just work on these projects from in it. We also mix wraps in there for, you know, rigs, vehicles, whatever, but, and then I've got another full art department that just designs for our screen printing side. Um, so it's, it's, and that's, that's the longest portion of it is the design portion of the whole process. And then you get approved and then you're printing. Yeah. And, you know, we, we make changes for customers all the time and whether it's a simple color change, whether it's, you know, add these logos, you know, move these logos, whatever. I mean, they're typically, I mean, we work with the customer back and forth until they say approved might some customers that might take five, 10 times back and forth, but in the end, I want everybody's graphics to look different. I don't want to do the cookie cutters, you know, where you can buy it off the shelf and stick it on your bike. I mean, that if that's what people want, that's fine. But I want people to have their own unique look. Right. We're going to take a short and, break here. Then we're back. Um that I love the fact that you make those graphics kits individually for people and you get to see different things and the industry thrives on that. I mean, there's companies like ours that have our style, our setup and people want that, but then they also want their own version of that. And, and that's pretty awesome that you, uh, that you offer that. Um, where did the love of ATVs come from? Well, let's uh, yeah. So rewinding the, the, the clock here, you know, even, even as when I was young, uh, I wanted to, you know, every young, well, not every, but, you know, as a young boy, you always want to, I had a dirt bike. You always want to race it, whatever. Um, it just worked out that I, my parents never, they weren't into it and I wasn't able to race as a young kid and life goes on. And and shortly after we got married and had our first uh, daughter, it was about 2001. We went to a local fair race uh, in the area here and 
and they had ATVs there. And I was like, and, and prior to that, even we had, uh, my wife and I had some trail quads and we would, you know, do the trail riding thing. And, but it, you know, there's always, I've always, always liked racing and going fast. So it was something like you go to the the local fair race and you just get that itch. Right. And you're like, Oh man. <laughs> so here, you know, at that point you're 25 years old, 26 years old. And you're like, just trying to get into it just for fun, you know, never looking to go pro anything crazy like that, but just for fun. And so that was, I mean, you know, yeah, I've always been into it, but after I went to that first race, I was, I was hooked from there. I'm like, you know, then it became time to buy a race quad and get into this, you know, even if it's the local scene, um, and that's really where it all began. Yeah. I, I totally get it. Totally. Get it. <laughs> and, and you rode mostly fairground stuff. Well, starting out, yeah, it's, um, it's a unique story. So crazy enough, Chad Weenan's from the same town as, as, as myself. And he was at this race with him and it with some of his other buddies. And I was in the stands. I knew of him. He's 10 years younger than I am. I knew of him just from being out of, you know, in the same town. I mean, it's a small town, 3,500 people. Um, and he's out there on this fully built banshee. And I think he mentioned it even in maybe even one of his podcasts he did with you, uh, you know, full roll design, you know, spent mega dollars on that thing and just big kid, you know, just ran away. I think he won one of the races and then crashed in one of them and whatever the case was. And so after that, you know, a week or two down the road, we were finishing a, a remodel project here at our business in the exterior. And he was working for a landscape company. I think he was probably a junior senior in high school or something. And, and I went out and we just got talking about the, the races and everything. And, and shortly after that, the, the next fair race, I don't remember if it was how, what the time uh, gap was in between, but I had, basically picked up a banshee in between there myself. I didn't build it up like he had his and I decided to to enter the race and not, I didn't even race the A class like he was racing. It was just like B class. And, and then we just kind of formed a friendship after that. And as time went on, I ended up picking up an old 250R somewhere and ended up we'd race a lot of local stuff together. I, you know, we had a, a daughter and my wife and daughter and I, we pack up, pick up Chad and go to the local, the local races and around the Northwest uh, Illinois area and Saturday nights, you know, Sundays, whatever it was. Um, then he ended up picking up a 250R and it was just crazy how the time kind of the whole chain of events and all that happened. And just to see the, the progression of the love for the sport, you know, of, of you just become almost, you know, like you're addicted to it, uh, whether it's the racing, the speed, everything, you know, and uh, yeah, it's like I, I, any I, hobby, I, right. 
I have that t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so yeah, it's just, that was like the early, early days, you know, and, and that's kind of even how the whole SSI thing formed even from to make custom graphics. It was like, that was like 2001, two ish era. And I was like, Oh, you know what? I could, we could make number plates for these things. And I've got all the means to do that. Like this is before digital printing, you know? So I'm like, so we'd set up and, and I'd have my guys, they'd screen print number plates and, and we would just use the die cut numbers and stick them on there. That was before we were even building the number itself into the plate. And I thought that was, you know, that was really before even the fully customized graphics. I mean, I'm, they were out there, I'm sure. It was just wasn't that era yet. And then as time went on, we we had ended up business-wise picking up a, a digital printing machine. And it's like, I could, I could really, we could do some cool stuff with this. And it just kind of evolved from there as, you know, coming up with the templates, the designs. And, and I mean, looking back at it, it was a lot of work and a lot of out late hours, not just myself, but my design team and, and other employees, but it was, it was crazy just to think that we could just make our own graphics. And then all of a sudden, then we can sell them and, you know, this could turn into a business and it could, yeah, I mean, with potential, you know, so it's it's crazy how it all just kind of evolved like that. Uh, that's how most small businesses evolve, you know, from, um, you know, having a buddy or seeing a parent or something like that. And then you have a hobby that you can use those skills in that hobby to, you know, you're. you're and I'm sure like most people, you didn't always have the coolest graphics on your quad because yeah. <laughs> you didn't graphics for everybody else. Yeah, exactly. My stuff was always last. And, you know, even maybe not my quad to, to this day, but, you know, like your trailer is always the last thing to get wrapped or your vehicle or whatever. But totally know what you mean. It's you sacrifice everyone else's stuff for you know, getting that done first for sure. Yeah. I've been building my own 450 R for <laughs> three years. Exactly. <laughs> People keep telling me, dude, you got to get that done. You got, I know I got to get it done. I, I might see it when I'm old enough still to write it. I might be. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Definitely. I enjoy building them as much as I enjoy riding them. Probably enjoy building them more. Sure. Yeah, I bet since, I mean, if, if you're a hands-on person and that's what you've done for years, right? You know, that's all I can remember ever doing. Yeah. I was very fortunate enough to be born into the industry that as you were to born into your trade, it, you know, uh, I remember sitting on the garage floor with my dad, you know, and, and he's running a mill or a boring bar or building an engine and I'm sitting on the floor, you know, digging through the box of carburetors, you know, that he, that he allowed me to take apart and put back together umpteen jillion times. Oh, for sure. And yeah, it just, it just evolved into, you know, building bicycles to building motorcycles to, you know, here we are today. Yeah. yeah that's, 
and that's our, amazing. We're, we're heading on 50 years, you know, the, our company, you know, pop started it and it's uh, through my brother and, and myself and, and, uh, it's incredible. I mean, I, I couldn't yeah. be doing anything else in life. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it is, it is awesome. It is awesome. Hey, did you wrap the new weaning rig? Yep. Do that. Yep. So my, uh, my guys just, we just finished that up Friday so he could have it ready to go for our local Halloween parade. Yeah, we've done, I think that's probably the, I want to say the third or fourth wrap on that rig back when he had a semi, we did that one as well. But, um, yeah, yeah, that, I really like how that one turned out. It's super clean and looks really good. Yeah, it does. It looks great. Yeah. I mean, I liked it. I only seen the picture just briefly, but sure. Still looks really great. Really clean. You know, those things take a lot of time to just, they're tedious to wrap from like a semi trailer, you know, just a lot of things to go around and how many guys does it take to do that? I had five guys working on that pretty much. I'm not, I mean, not quite a full week, but yeah, it can do, you can do it with four, but having an extra hand definitely helps speed it up. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, I hate putting little decals on. I could imagine. I couldn't imagine doing that. Yeah, it's it's tedious. Do you guys that one out? Do you guys have to do it in the shop in a warm environment, or do they do? Yeah, no, no. It's definitely has to be climate controlled. Um, You don't want any wind or anything outside blowing dirt, dust, and so on around. So yeah, it's it's definitely inside climate controlled. Yeah. Cost even good lighting. Yeah. That's another whole cost right there. Right. Yeah. Luckily the new building I bought has, uh, it it had perfect scenario for wrapping super tall ceilings. And, and we last year around December, we had two 18 wheelers in there. We had a super two super cross teams bring in one was just in for some logo additions and one was in for a full wrap, but we pulled them in basically, you know, front to back of each other. And one of them, we got in and out quick. And the other one was there for four or five days while we did a complete wrap on that. And I'm sure those guys are like, are you done yet? Are you done yet? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like <laughs> pacing around, we got to get on the road, you know, that's right. Right. Exactly. Do you get to go ride much? You know, I rode twice this year. I raced the, the sunset Ridge, uh, motocross national, and then the one at Redbud. um, mainly because they're, they're close. Uh, I can, hook up to my, you know, take my rig and trailer and hook up. And it's easy to get away on a Thursday, Friday, you know, where, I mean, I usually try and make most all the, the motocross nationals here on the East coast. Um, but typically just fly to them because back in the day, yeah, we, I would take my whole family and we would all go when we had young kids and now the kids are older in school and it's having, you know, being 
the business side from the business side of it with my mom retiring, it's a lot harder to just get away like that, you know, but I love riding. I mean, I just raced the vet classes and in uh, both sunset and, and red Bud and you know, it, it's, I still love it. You know, it's like still can get off the track and be like, Oh, that was fun. You know, <laughs> what's your machine machine of choice now? Uh, I'm riding the YFC 450R now. And that was, you know, I mean, props to Chad and, and, and his program. And, you know, he set me up with a good machine. I had always been a Honda person prior to that from 250R. Then I, I actually bought one of his hybrid bikes, a CRF uh, that he had built in a Lone Star frame. And then I went to just the, the production TRX 450, raced those for years and rode them. And then about four or five years ago, shortly after his uh, his Yamaha deal, it was, he's, you know, I, I had someone that was going to buy all of my bikes two TRX 450s in my CRF and, and they, they bought all three of them. And I'm like, all right, well, I guess I need a bike now. And <laughs> so he, he, uh, yeah, he got me set up with, a, with a Yamaha. And I couldn't believe honestly, the difference, even just with EFI, you know, I, I had never run EFI quad before and, and the handling of that thing just, it's crazy. I'm sure having him set it up and and so on helps, but it was, it was crazy. Oh, I'm sure that you had a really good talented team helping you get that thing dialed in and ready to go. And, and it, it, that makes a difference. They're great machines. Don't get me wrong. You know, yeah. the, the people that buy them and ride them stock, love them. And they run good with the right tuning devices on them and they put a good exhaust on there and go have a ball. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that's, that's what it's all about. The other manufacturers are missing out. I know. It's hard to believe. Definitely. They're just flat losing out, you know, on everything They're You know, they're not, yep. they're not helping the sport. They're not, they're not doing anything to make it okay. That's right. It's, I do sit back and look at that and just, just, it puzzles you, you know, you're just like, I don't, I don't understand why. I mean, I, I, I can't say the sales would be there, but you'd sure think that. I think, I think if they were on their game right now, if they'd have been ready, uh, Honda or Cowie, they would have sold um, more than they could have built. Um, yeah. Cause I know Yamaha was back ordered. Yeah. And it's a great machine. They'd be going up against a great platform that's proven and they would have had to came out with equally as of good. Uh, I don't, I don't think Honda wants to put forth the energy. Really? I mean, I just don't yeah. do uh, when you're building jets and, and cars yeah. and um, changing your motorcycle business. Um, you know, they're working on battery technology, all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, makes that makes perfect sense yeah 
Yeah. I mean, I, I seen a couple of things that they're working on and yeah, why ATVs are so far down on the list because they're not a big seller. You know, their utility stuff is because it's workhorse yeah. stuff and we're still using it for that. But as far as the sport industry, it actually is pretty small. I heard a rumor and I don't know if it's true. But I heard a rumor that they may stop making motorcycles. Really? Yeah. Wow. Like dirt and street or just dirt bikes. Wow. And it might've been just the 250 and, and only have the 450 line, but that's still, that's wow. a huge step in walking away from the whole industry. Yeah. I, that's wow. Can't even believe it. Yeah. No, I can't either. I mean, it's, that's sad. It's heartbreaking, you know, because I'm yeah. a hard Honda guy. And, and don't get me wrong, you know, I mean, uh, we build Yamahas too. Um, it, 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 it's a game changer for you when when you work on red your whole life and then it's not there anymore. Absolutely. Yeah. But you know, I'm inside and out, you know? Yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens in the future. I, I don't, uh, I hope that that was a rumor, a bad rumor. But yeah. But we'll, we'll see, you know, and then uh, kind of <laughs> California's anti off-road anyways, it, it's a, a billion dollar, billions of dollars a year it, uh, feeding the economy in California and they just want to cut it away. That's I've heard that. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. How are you going to pay your bills? How are you going to have people pay their bills if you cut the off-road industry and send you know, under one year, I heard that it was $9 billion a year industry. Wow. And I could be wrong on the numbers. Don't get me wrong. Well, even if it was a billion, you cut a billion yeah. dollars out of your economy a year. That's a lot of money. You just lost a lot, workers, a lot of taxes, a lot of houses. Absolutely. There's no other industries that are going to fill those voids. No. Yeah. Absolutely not. I mean, it's just like your local government wants to keep you around. I'm sure they want to do everything they can to help you. Yeah, you'd hope. I mean, Illinois probably ranks up there with California, but it's. I don't. I don't know. I. I, I mean, I listen to the. We don't want to get political, but I listen. To no, the, no. And you guys are doing pretty good. You know. I mean, yeah. As long as you're not in Chicago, right? Right. That's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, exactly. so what does the future hold for you um, in promotions for the industry? Well, I mean, you know, there's, there's several ways you can, that you can take it. I mean, the ATV industry, you know, like you said, it, it gets scary because you don't know what the, I mean, if, if the numbers are going to keep increasing, whether it's motocross here on the East coast or works on the West coast, you know, it's, I, I mean, I know the GNCC series is huge. We do a, a decent amount of graphics for that, that whole series as well. And if these, you know, manufacturers are going to pull out and not support it. And I mean, 
there's going to be guys like us that are going to stick around and, and support the riders and the teams that are there for sure. Um, and I definitely plan on it. I mean, you know, there's the side-by-side markets huge as well, even though that whole racing scene kind of got shifted and, you know, the whole Lucas oil thing going away and different, you know, owners coming in and picking it up more here in the Midwest. Um, so there's, I mean, there's the markets, it's different right now, you know, I mean, it's out, it's there. It's just, it's different. And we'll always be here for the, the racer, the trail rider, whoever it is to make custom graphics, but there's just, uh, it's just different. Yeah. I hear you. I mean, Everybody, everybody thinks that racing keeps the doors open and racing doesn't keep the doors open. Recreational customer keeps the door open. Um, Sometimes the racer actually hurts you because they are always breaking something last second and need, and need a hand getting it fixed. Yeah, absolutely. And it's unfortunately the racer, you know, it's last minute stuff and doesn't matter if it's just quads. I mean, dirt bikes, it's, that's how it is. It's last minute, you know? Right. I mean, we help out, uh, Clay Milliken, NHRA top fuel driver. And, and luckily his, you know, his requests when, when it's last minute are just a few, a few small decals here and there that they maybe picked up a sponsor, you know, for the weekend or something. And they'll shoot us an email with a file and, Hey, we need this at the track by Friday, you know, versus a full car wrap or something, you know, (laughs) I mean, so stuff like that, it's, but it's last minute. That's, that's racing. And, you know, if a sponsor comes on board and, and has monetary cash to pay for an event, and needs their logo on the car, then you make it happen, you know? Right. Right. That's, (laughs) we all know sponsors are very difficult things. You know, we had a little bit of that conversation before we started taping that, you know, you, you, I work very hard for the people that help me because uh, I'm, I'm so grateful for them um, for the little bit of help that I do get. Um, we're still infants, ATV talks, still an infancy stage. Um, we're a little over a year old. Um, October was our biggest month, uh, ever last month, a day ago. That's awesome. Um, I know that there's other, uh, media outlets and, and things that, that grab triple or quadruple the amount of people that we do. Um, but I'd be, would be amazed at how many people are just hearing about us. You know, it's, yeah, that's, I I talk to people that I know that have been in the industry that I know their buddies are listening and then they're going, you have what you do what? And then they listen to it and text me or call me and go, I had no idea. (laughs) That's what this logo means. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. I like reaching out to everybody, um, getting to talk to Chad and, and, you know, Joel's going to come on soon. And, uh, Dean Sundell said, he's going to come and sit down with me. He wouldn't do the, the phone type deal, but he said he would come and sit down and speak with me. And, um, beans that he's a soft spoken individual, I'll have to have it in a setting like you see here, uh, so that I can, 
have, you know, catch every word that he says because he is very soft-spoken man. Oh yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, we, uh, we're trying really hard just like you are and, and it's a totally different aspect. I've just now started to realize maybe I am a media guy. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I mean, I, I never looked at it. I never looked at it that way. I never looked at it as a podcast or as trying to tell the story for the industry as media. Sure. Yeah. I always think of it as maybe a, a publication, right? Media as a, a magazine or photographer or something like that. Right. And I mean, that's how I would always, you know, media would be the photographer out on the track or someone writing a story for a magazine. Right. Right. Yeah. You, you, you totally thinking like I do. Yeah. And, and, and everybody's had to explain it to me. You are producing product for people to consume. It's media. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a okay. good way to look at it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. If you if you want to call it that, I'm I I just I want the industry to grow and I want to do something to to give back to to, to see it grow. And I'm just trying super hard to uh to get it out there. Yeah. Oh, that's absolutely and I could tell that October must have been a good month for you. I mean, I, I was listening through some of them and I was like, man, when does he have time to do all these? Because <laughs> the list was just so you're um, busy, I know. I work for Duncan Racing full time, which everybody knows that. I've worked for my brother for 30 some years. Um, I have a, a prepping business where I prep race quads um, after nice. hour. Um, it's usually rollover work from Duncan Racing. Um, and that varies. Uh, I do Travis Damon's machine. Um, he's sponsored by Low Profile Motorsports. Um, and they, I do a couple other machines or jobs for them occasionally. Um, and then I do the, the individuals that come along that, that want my services, uh, generally, a, a engine gets built by Lauren and then they want a, a race prep. So then they contact me or talk to me and, and have me do that. Nice. Uh, and then I do this and, uh, I do all the taping in the evenings. Like, uh, we're here in the, in the late afternoon on a Monday. Um, and then all of the rest of my tapings are in the evening. Unfortunately, a lot of my guests are on the East coast. So that it's late nights for them. And I apologize for that, but I don't have, I don't have any other time. Uh, yeah. My, my day starts usually around 4am. I get up, I get my wife settled so she can go to work. Um, and then go out in the shop, work for a little while before I go into the other shop and work for the rest of the day. Yeah, no, that's, I, I understand. That's, that's what you have to do. I, you know, it, it's no different than you. I mean, I'm sure that you're there some most days before everybody else and leave after everybody else. Yeah. That's my day starts about four as well. I totally get it. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's, it's what you have to do to grow the business and to, to, um, to keep things going. And I, I think that, um, the ATV industry in a whole um, understands that the people that have been around for years, a lot of the older guys understand it. Um, 
I think the younger people will understand at some point. Um, your younger racers don't totally understand all the self-sacrifice yet, but I think, yeah, they, I think they will, you know? Yeah. It's just a matter of time. I think. Uh, yeah, I think so too. Um, so what do you got on the docket for big teams? You know, if you don't mind spilling a little secret, you know, of, of some of the people that you're making cool stuff for. Yeah. I mean, in the ATV motocross side, you know, here on the East coast, I mean, I pretty much, as far as pro teams, I mean, I, I, I don't do every pro rider on the gate, but if there's 20 guys on the gate, I would say off the top of my head, like 17, 18 of them are probably our guys. I mean, you know, from Chad to the Ford brothers to the Phoenix racing team and, you know, then all the privateer guys as well that are out there. I mean, I mean, I know how it is to be a privateer racer. So I help, you know, I help them as much as I can. I mean, that's, that's, you know, I want to be able to give back to them all and, and see them succeed. I mean, it's not easy. Definitely. Yeah. I, I understand, you know, you want to, we want to help as much as we can, but at the end of the day, we also need to feed our families. Yeah, definitely. And that's, you know, it, it comes around and, and, you know, the guys like Chad and Joel and the Fords and they, they put their, their PR to work for us sponsors. And, and I see it, I see the return when people are ordering graphics and wanting, you know, I want the kit that, that Bryce Ford runs. I want Joel's kit, Chad's kit, you know? So I, I mean, I see it and I, I know that they're, that they're selling our product, you know, and, and promoting it, um, which is what any sponsor would, would want in the, in the end is to promote their business. And that's, yeah, I mean, as far as, yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah that you have that many guys on the starting line uh, and then you can look through the field of amateur riders that are running the kits that you build. Um, you know, do you do the supercross Phoenix stuff as well? We do. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I've, yeah. We've been with, you know, I mean, with David since early, early on and it's, it's cool to see how, how his program is has gone into that, that market as well. Um, I had in previous years just helped out a privateer team, the, the BWR, um, supercross team. They're somewhat local. He, uh, the, the mechanic is somewhat local to us here. And I've known him for years. He worked at the local Honda dealership where I had always gotten all of our, uh, my Hondas worked on and, he uh he teamed up with Carlin Gardner, who's from out in the California area, and they had a supercross team for the last five years or something. We've wrapped a couple of rigs for him and taken care of their team. Um, but that supercross thing is a whole nother, whole nother ball game, you know, when you're getting in in with those guys just going every other or every weekend sometimes, you know, and those guys, they eat up graphics on those bikes. Like there's, there's no tomorrow, you know? 
Yeah. When I, I'm good friends with uh, Paul Turner. Um, I'm sure you know who he is. Oh yeah. And when he was working for Suzuki, uh, I was, we were in, in Florida for the great outdoor games. Oh yeah. A chance to spend a little time talking with him and they had a stack of fenders with graphics on them. And I go, I ask him, what's the gig? And he goes, we are not allowed to run the fenders twice. Wow. <laughs> we'll go through the weekend and then everything else, after, we, we, we'll clean them all up. And if they still look brand new, we'll, we'll run them again at a later date. But we have to go through the cleaning process and all of that to make sure that they are new, new looking. Um, and wow. most of them turn into practice vendors or we give them away. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's just thousands of thousands of dollars a year. Yep. You know, I, I mean, I know racers that run the same fenders for two seasons because they can't afford to buy new. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. You're out there with a heat gun, working <sighs> them and getting the color back and doing all kinds of tricks to, to try to make those fenders last, you know? Exactly. Oh, man. <laughs> I can tell by the look on your face that you've been there. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> trying, to get a, trying to get a new graphics kit to stick on a yeah. old fender. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Um, and moving, you know, back to your original question now, like on the GNCC side, I mean, we've been partnered with Walker Fowler for the last few years, Johnny Gallagher, Chris Borich. So, you know, we've got, we've got some top notch guys on that series. And then some, uh, even the guys in the, in the pro-am XC2 class and amateurs, you know, work series. I've, it's it seems like we, we had back in the day, it's probably been over five years now. I mean, we had a lot more guys and I don't, we still do a, a good handful, uh, Logan Huff. Um, we do his stuff, a few other guys out there as well. Um, it's just, I think it's just the, the geographic location for us and, you know, it's, not that we can't get product out to California and do all that. It's just, you know, kind of like you said, even maybe people out there haven't heard of us, like people haven't heard of you, you know, if, whether it's back here, wherever it is, it's just, it's how it goes until you get your name out there and people start hearing. Yeah. I mean, uh, as far as, uh, every once in a while, I'll find somebody that's never heard of Duncan racing, but more often, yeah, every way it's a brief, it's a, it's a, uh, few and far between, but, um, I hear more, oh man, I thought you guys went out of business. You're still in business. Oh, this is great. You know, <laughs> you know, do you still make this? Yeah, we still make that. Okay. Thanks. Great. They thought, you know, and then they order and, uh, or, or they talk to you and talk to your ear off and, um, I don't know if the podcast has had anything to do with it, but Duncan racing is bouncing off the walls. Busy. Uh, I, what I have a question for you, because I know that it's affecting our end, just our, our side of it. Are you having a supply problem? I mean, 
not terrible. Uh, we use so for our OEM side of our screen printing, um, we we print a lot of OEM decals. Um, big customers, for instance, one of our largest is John Deere. So we produce ninety percent of their decals worldwide for ag, lawn, and garden construction. So we buy a ton of 3M products. And it's since about June, it's kind of gone. Their lead times have gotten worse, uh, which in turn causes us to have to order more products. And there's been times that I've had to make some phone calls to the higher ups within 3M to poke and prod to get material shipped to us. But we've we haven't ran out or you know, anything, they just, the lead times are extended per se. And we don't use typically besides doing wraps, we don't use 3M material for graphic kits. We've got a, a proprietary material we developed for that. And those, those vendors have been good. I mean, we order literally, you know, 30, 40 rolls of material at a time, skids of it. Um, and ink? they've been good. How about ink? Besides prices going up, it's been, we haven't had any issues. I mean, everybody's seeing price increases, unfortunately. It's it's how the world's going. But luckily, we've had a few uh, extended lead times on ink, but it hasn't been bad. That's, I'm glad to hear that you're not... Uh, getting nailed by it because uh, there's a portions of us, uh, our business that is crippled because I can't, I can't get steel. Um, Heard that. Wow. Um, I, would, sad. I would probably be selling 10 times the amount of exhaust pipes. If I could get steel, mostly in the two stroke industry, you know, sure. Uh, but still it's, it, it, it's happening. We're dealing with it. We're fighting through it. And uh, we're, still, yeah. you know, fortunately for this kind of business, um, there are very few supplies that I need other than Wi-Fi. And, um, you know, when it goes down, yeah. everything else is down. So it doesn't really matter. That's right. <laughs> That's right. You know, the one thing that we didn't do is we didn't shout out Corey Ellis. Because he yeah, definitely set this up and got me your information and, and, and told me to reach out to you. Um, he said that that you would be great to talk to, and and um, I gotta I gotta you know give him a call and tell him thank you very much because uh, he's been a big help. Corey's been a real big help. Obviously, you can see over my shoulder the the GBC logo. They uh, they've been great. Um, I'm, I haven't reached out to Corey. Uh, I will before this airs. Um, I'm sure. going to ask him to do a year in show with me and and Kane Smead from Dirt Wheels and talk about how the, the the season went for everybody and and uh talk about you know Gary Denton going into the Hall of Fame and Chad winning eight and I think Bo Barron is is nine or ten on the West Coast and Dang. Walker Fowler uh isn't that number seven? Yes. Yeah. So yeah um yeah you know there's some amazing things that that are happening in the in the world of our racers that are winning championship after championship. So we need to talk about it a little bit and get it. Out. Yeah. And absolutely. And thank you to Corey for sure, for passing my name on. And he's, 
of anybody he's been around, not, you know, as long as, as some of the legends like Gary, you know, he's, he's raced with him. I mean, and he's been in the industry and, and we've, I know I've, we've done work for GBC and we, you know, he's given us uh, different jobs over the years from uh, wrapping Johnny's trailer to his side-by-side decals for green ball. And yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely appreciated and, and he's definitely an asset within the ATV community for sure. Oh yeah. He's huge, you know, huge. Uh, I don't think that as a, as a, in when Corey was racing, we were not super close. We knew of each other. We talked, you know, uh, I was good. He's good friends with Doug Eichner. So I was always, you know, had spoken with him and, and talked with him. Um, but since he's retired and became a tire guy, um, it's a totally different world. And then getting to spend time with him on the podcast and, and finding out a little bit more about him. He's, he is a really good dude. You know, the industry's yeah. good. We, we should be glad to have a guy like him. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. Cause I remember when he was just a green kid riding an LT 250 <laughs> and basically won his first big race, you know, at a Mickey Thompson. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. It, I mean, it was in, it was in San Diego here. Yeah, wow. Long, yeah. That's crazy. Long time ago. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, back when my hair wasn't white. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the crazy portion about it. <clears throat> you know, we brought up Gary Denton and I've told this story before, but when I went to my first Mickey Thompson race with my brother and I was working with Kenneth Delk and Don Turk, and Gary Denton was the first pro to walk up and shake my hand and treated me like I belonged. Dang, that's awesome. Yeah. And I'm just this green kid that doesn't know anything. I mean, obviously I knew how to work on ATVs because of my family and, and I raced him at home and locally, but I hadn't been on that stage uh, or in that, with that group of people ever. So it was, it was pretty awesome. That yeah. is, uh, it, it, yeah. You just think moments like that stick in my head all the time. With with, I remember talking to Chad before Chad even knew Chad was going to be Chad. Sure, that's right. You know, on a class, he's probably out. calling up and buying parts from you, right? <laughs> uh, actually, we were back east somewhere at a race, and I was Tavis Kane's mechanic. And he was coming over going, Hey, I need help. Okay. What do you, you know, trying to help him out as much as I could. And, and he's riding a clapped out Honda. And it, I mean, he was doing everything he could to keep it together, but he was a big boy. Yeah, I'm not talking fat. He wasn't fat, but no, no big, strong kid. And he could manhandle that machine. Yep. That's right. That's crazy. Well, you watch him ride now to what he was then not even the same guy. No, no, exactly. It's finesse. unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Finesse talent. I mean, he's, he's learned his craft and his trade. Uh, you know, he, he took it to school and, and done has done really well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I had the pleasure of meeting. I had met Joel years and years ago when he was a kid and I didn't even realize it. 
but I had a pleasure. He came out to the West coast and raced at a works race at Glen Ellen. Oh yeah. Just recently. Right. Yeah. And he schooled everybody. If Bo hears this, he'll, he'll have words with me, but uh, <laughs> well, I mean, it was a good race. I mean, tactical, tactical race for Bo. Um, he had to ride at, uh, above his game and, and Joel did what he did needed to do to win. And, and it was a good, it was a good race. You know, they're both great champions. Yeah. But I had a chance to meet him. And first thing out of his mouth, he goes, I remember you. And I'm like, dang. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you know, big old smile. Wow. I get to shake this kid's hand. He's on fire. He's, he's fast. And, and, and that comes out of his mouth and I'm just, you know, Okay. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a lot of fun to meet all these guys and talk to them. And, and yeah, I'm a huge fan of the industry, huge fan. And it uh, doesn't matter what flag you fly. Uh, I mean, I've yeah. already, I've already went through that in my life where if you're not wearing my flag, I can't talk to you. You know what? I don't care what flag you wear now. Yeah. Just make the ATV industry grow. Yeah, that's right. Ian, I want to thank you so much for taking the time with me today. Um, ATV Talk really appreciates what you do for the industry and, and how you support us. And, and I know that there's riders out there today that are ecstatic when they look at their quad because it looks so good because your graphics are on there. Thank you, Leonard. I appreciate that. And I uh, appreciate the opportunity to be on your show as well. Again, I really appreciate your time and, and thank you for, uh, sitting down with ATV Talk. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. Brought to you by Take-Two Custom Tees. Screen printing experience that is dedicated to quality and customer service every time. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industries building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.